we're kind of stripped down today and I really like it. Because you get to see what's important. And, you know, what we do as a church, if you're visiting with us, is normally what we do is we go through books of the Bible. That's that's how we we proclaim the Word of God, by going through the Word of God. But at the end of the year, and sometimes at the beginning, I get to take a couple weeks and be a little topical and focus in. And we're doing that this week and next week. And I'm calling this our core and this week is core strengthening and next week is core dynamics. And, you know, I, and, and what I want you to see is that you, you strengthen your core as you receive the word of God. You receive it. It's really interesting. You know, the core is really important. And, and I was even out in the lobby and talking. I've been trying to run again. And someone says, well, what are you doing to strengthen your core? I said, nothing. <laughs> they kind of looked at me and laughed. <laughs> Because everything you do is this core is important, right? And, and you got your abdominal muscles and your back muscles and they hold in and everything you're doing is coming out of your core. So, so, so that's a, a concept that, that goes over pretty easily spiritually. And so what I want you to do is just first start with a little exercise with me. Bear with me. I know you didn't come to church to exercise, but if you ha- take your hand with me and just stretch it out a little bit, you can lean on a chair in front of you, but don't touch the person and open up your hand like that. Like do that a couple times. Pretty good, pretty good. Okay, now kind of focus in on your pinky. Do this. Okay, a lot of you guys aren't doing this. <laughs> I know, come on, come on, bear with This is really important and good. You're, you're, you're exercising here. You are exercising your pinky. You can do it. You can, oh, you can do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, just flip it over to the other side. Nice. Now, if I were trying to tell you that you're exercising your core, what am I doing? No. I'm exercising my pinky. You can stop now. My pinky. So I'm getting my pinky really, really strong. That's really cool. Is it doing anything for my core? It's okay to say. No. It's doing nothing for you, Swanson. Your core is not getting stronger as you exercise. And yet, even and a lot of times in our Christian lives, it seems like what we're focusing on is exercising our pinkies. And it's not that important. It's something to do. But, you know, even in football, you know, you need a strong core. The Seahawks are going to be on. You know, there's a Seahawks football player that's missing his pinky, missing his whole hand. He's an awesome football player. Why? I'll tell you what he has. He's got a strong core. He can leap and move, and all the strength in here is all centered and right. And and so the things that happen is the tragedy for you and me is we sometimes think our Christian core is something that's not core at all. And, and sometimes the world's faked you out and you've drunk in from the world, but sometimes the Christian cultures even that we might, that we live in might have faked you out and, and, and it's got you doing pinky reps. Bummer. So what I want you to do is back up with me and today see what it means to strengthen our core. That's what we're doing today. And the next week, I want to look at how that core moves. What happens with it? So when you're going to strengthen your core, and I've been all alliterative for you today, we're going to, we're going to, first I want to identify what it is. What's the Christian core? What we think that is from the Bible. And then secondly, to isolate it, to see what people try and wiggle in there to put in your core when it's really pinkies. And then finally, I want you to inspire. I want some inspiration over it. Breathe it in. That's what inspiration is, right? It's a breath in. So we're going to do those three things. And so the first thing I want to do is to identify 
identification of what your core is. And yeah, there's a core to our faith, right? A central key piece. Absolutely. And like your body has a core, we have a core spiritually. So this thing makes us Christian, and the Bible puts it over and over. You can go through every single book in the Bible. You can do it with us online. You can read it on your own. But as you start looking and seeing what the message is, one of those we read earlier. Let me put it on the board again, because it just pops it up there right in front of our face from Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 15. Right? He said, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. What's he doing with those two verses there? He's not telling you what the core is. He's calling it the gospel. He's telling you there is one. I want to remind you, flashing lights. Don't blah, 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 look, you guys. Big flashing arrows pointing. Hey, 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 there's a central thing. I want you to see that this is by which you're being saved. This is what you receive. This is what you stand. I would remind you again, you've got to know this. This is the central piece. What is it? Uh, Well, now I really want to know if he's going to build it up like that. So then he says, for I deliver to you as of first importance, really core, what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And he goes on to really hammer home that he's alive. He rose and people saw him. That, that, that That's it. So so we, we call our core, and the way we've handled it, and you've heard of me talk about the core before, it's like three things. One is this really high view of the Bible, like we think the Bible's true, because the only way we understand anything about Jesus, it's in the Bible. And, and then secondly, the Bible, which tells us who Jesus is, we call this Christology. It's that Jesus was fully God and fully man. He's our Savior. And, and then not just that, this third thing is, what does Jesus' name mean? Do you know his name is Yeshua, which means God saves? It's about salvation. So how are you saved? And it's by grace alone, through faith alone. So that's our core, right? That message right there, a high view of the Bible, Christology, Soteriology, the closely linked, all these things. But, but, but it's an easy, clear understanding of what the Bible lays out in front of us. can say it a few other ways with a few verses, so let me just show you a couple. Here's one. For when we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. There's that central core message, right? It's what Jesus has done for the weak and lowly and lost and despicable sinners. That's you and me. And here comes Jesus, fully God, fully man. He came to earth for us. He lived and he died. He was crucified for us. His blood covers us. He saves us. Or this one, you guys, this is a dear favorite of ours, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace, that means gift. Faith, that means trust. It's not your own doing, it's the gift of God. Fantastic, right? Not based on anything in you or me. This is grace, it's through faith. It's not some religious mystery word like, ooh, if you have a lot of faith, you get to go to heaven. It's do you trust this message? This is our core. 
These are abdominals and our, our strap muscles in our back and the things that really hold us together are, is this, right? Essential message, it's this. Jesus died for me and it worked. And I've, I've said that earlier this year. I introduced that to your evil, right? The evil that we've done, the evil that we're doing, the evil that we will do. And, and, and for evil, you could just put sin because sin is evil, right? You, you sinned and you sin and you will sin. We don't shy away from sin. We say this, Jesus paid it all. It's finished was the cry from the cross. That's the message is that he's forgiven, paid for. Everything that kept and keeps and will keep me from God is gone. Jesus died for me and it worked. What you need to hear is that Jesus Christ forgives all your sins forever. Full stop. We receive him. This is the essential message. It's so essential that it kind of starts to feel old. Like, yeah, that's what I knew when I was eight. Now I'm 65. So, so the, tra- the trap, the difficulty is I want to start adding stuff into that core. Cause I think I know that. I need to add in some more things to do, some more ways to go. So the work of many of us is in core isolation. Because we're out doing pinky reps and we're out doing stuff. And to come back, and on Sunday we particularly do this, we come back to the core. So let's isolate it for a minute. So if our identification is this, high Bible and Jesus, that's who he is, what he's done, and salvation, how we get to go to heaven because we trust him. Then you could say it this way, just in a simple statement. We're saved by Jesus as a gift, just Trusting him. That's our core. You say, well, Dax, that's kind of just a very simple propositional truth. Yeah. 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 But each, it's, it's, it's tight and has meaning. And if you hold to that, if that's what you think is so important, it's going to start echoing. We'll see most of that next week, but I want to continue a little bit this week with isolation. So you need to isolate that. Let's isolate our core there for a minute. Say, that's our core. Why do we need to isolate it? Because we were tempted to add a bunch of sentences around it. This is a big deal for Paul. He's so worried, like like that you and I are, are going to hear competing messages because there's lots of competing messages. Some are really easy to see through. You know, there's some people who believe Jesus was just a good teacher and he came and gives some good advice of how to live your life. We don't believe that. That's easy to see through. There's some people, a lot of people in our world, who think that there's going to be some sort of big scale in heaven, you know, like the big, I don't know what they used to call the weight thing, where where all your bad stuff's going to go over here and all your good stuff's going to go over here, and whichever one's heavier than the, the, the if you have your good stuff outweighs your bad stuff, then that's easy to see through. That's not true. I'm too bad. <laughs> but but we're more savvy in the church, you know. We we know sola fide. We know sola gratia by grace alone through faith alone. So we make grace and faith the start 
right? The, the entry ticket. And then what we really want to do is add some more stuff in. But, but really what we do then is we're not, we need to isolate our core. Most helpful for you and me. And what's that stripping out the most harmful additions because we want to do it all the world, all the time because we are of the world and of the flesh. It creeps in. We bring it into the church. What we add in normally is something called agency. I don't mean an ad agency. I mean agency as in it's up to you. Putting ourselves in the midst, right? Are there things for us to do? Sure. Go ahead. Move the pinkies. But the single most insidious problem is that these movements go directly against the core. Hear that. Because what happens is we start to evaluate personal performance. Not just in me, but in other people. I do this all the time. I do it naturally. Sometimes we call this merit. Sometimes we mislabel it as progress. Sometimes we mislabel it as personal increase in holiness. It's me evaluating either me or someone else on how they're doing in their Christian walk. I I want you to look at this more closely with me just because it's a very familiar passage. In Ephesians 2.8, I just read it. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is the core. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. This is the core. But then he goes on to identify something to put out of the core. Do you see that? Not... Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Paul knows that what's going to creep in is works. What's works? Things I do. And no one's going to be able to boast, ever. Say, well, I I would never boast. Yeah, the flip side of that is putting down someone else because they're not doing. Well, I do that a little. And you're going to get to heaven, and you're never going to boast about anything that you've ever done. And and the key thing we add in all the time is that our own works, Jesus, yes, 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 Jesus, and he helps me, but then I cooperate and help him, and we together produce good stuff, and look at the good stuff, and our eyes go to the good stuff. Those are called works. You're not saved by them. Say, well, yeah, yeah, I'm not saved by them, and I mean saved as converted. I'm not converted by my work. No, saved. The whole thing, in heaven. You're in heaven by what? The gift of God. Jesus Christ having done it. Not by anything you will ever do. With God's help or without God's help. Because he's already done it. We try and give little illustrations to try and tease this out. And you hear me do this through the year. It's like, I, I, at one point I said, you're, 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 you're like a raft in a river, right? You're, you're not driving a motorboat. I'm not like steering over here and going and doing, I'm steering. No, you're a raft. Just ask somebody who's dealing with real tragedy what kind of control they have over their cancer, over their kid who went sideways over a suicide that's been committed. We are a raft on a river. We have a God who loves us and we cling with all our might to that truth that Jesus Christ forgives us. 
Not, I'm on a motorboat figuring out where I'm going to go. Let's go figure it out and do it. No, are you kidding? So, or, 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 and I don't care. Yeah. This idea, you don't become a better swimmer. You drown. And God raises you to life. That's the big message of the Bible, right? Your life is about death, not advancement. You're weak and he is strong. You receive the new David. You don't be David. I will never be David. The king of kings. I know David. He knows me. He knows you too. I'm supposed to be him. Jesus is our savior, not our example, right? He's my savior. He did it. It's about resurrection, not about revival. I'm not mostly coughing up and, and struggling to breathe. And so here comes Jesus and he gives me CPR and he gives my flesh back to life. And now I've got sanctified flesh and I can run around doing great stuff with my sanctified flesh. No, no, no. Jesus comes and he sees I die. Like Lazarus, right? He comes three days later. Hey, where's Lazarus? Oh, he died. You don't want to go in there. He stinketh. Oh, Lazarus, come forth. What did Jesus do? Raise him from the dead. What does he do to you? What's he going to do to you? Raise you from the dead. Okay, so you got, you got to get that straight. You got to say, okay, I got to isolate that out because what I want to put in is that he's not really raising me from the dead. He's making me a better me. And we've talked about that this year. We talked about not being a theologian of glory, but being a theologian of the cross. It's not us getting better and, and, and building us up so that we march on Christian soldiers. It's us going, no, we, we identify with Jesus' death because our trust is he will raise us from the dead. I got an eternity with Jesus. What these images trying to do is get your core in isolation against the most common wiggle-ins. And the most common for us is that we add in us. We give us a significant role, however small you might make it, not to offend, not to offend. But coffee with a little pee is something you won't drink. Well, I don't know, maybe you will. I won't drink it. Right? Don't do it. Because the world is all about performance, and we bring it right in. We say stuff like this in the church. It's a terrible thing we say in the way we mean it. Faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. That's a true statement, but you know it's meant to be a promise. If you trust Jesus... He will use you. You are raft on a river. He's using you. You can't even see it. You're going to get to heaven and be blown away at how Jesus used you. You're meant to rejoice at that statement. The faith, trusting Jesus is never alone. He will use. How do I normally hear that? Well, if you really believe in Jesus, this is what you're going to do. Oh, you haven't done that yet? Well, I'm not sure about your faith, but my faith serves four times a week here and does these 12 things and does, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. What is that doing? It's putting yourself in the middle again. It's absolutely backwards. If we could hear that, oh, the faith that, that saves is never alone, and hear it as a wonder that God promises he will use us. He's prepared the works he has for you, and he's in charge. That's a glorious thing. Unfortunately, we hear it the other way, and it can be devastating. Look, a couple scriptures just to show you. This is an illustration, and you've heard this from me. But God shows his love for us. This is Romans 5.8. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
and I add in the rest. On the condition that after a reasonable length of time, we'd be the kind of people no one ever had to have die for in the first place. I'm going to get better, I promise God. I'm going to. No, what am I doing? I'm taking my core and I'm adding stuff in. Like, oh, it's all Jesus. At the right time, Jesus died for me. And there's my worship and my heart and the truth. And I add in, oh, and, 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 and boy, there's a condition. It's that you got to improve. It's, it's, it's not okay to stay not okay. Yeah, you were broken when you came to Christ, but you're not broken now. Your pastor's as much broken now as he was 10 years ago. My hope is that Jesus will resurrect me from the dead. That's my core. And the, the strengthening that I do is that I hold to it more firmly now than ever. Look how, look how the writer of Hebrews puts it. Because he's so wanting to protect something. Think about what he's wanting to protect as he writes this in Hebrews chapter 10. But when Christ had offered for all time, for, let me, let me read that again. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. What has he done? He has done it. It is finished. It is a single sacrifice, right? There's no agency for you. It's his work alone. And then look, and the Holy Spirit, he continues on in Hebrews 10, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness for us. Now listen to what he's wanting to hear you to hear. After saying, for after saying, this is not what he wants you to hear. He's just proving to you it's in the Bible. For after saying, this is the covenant I will make with them in those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. After saying that, then he adds, this is what I want you to see, says the writer of Hebrews. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. What's the core? That's the core. Forgiveness of sins by the single sacrifice of Jesus Christ for all time. Do you believe it? Where there's forgiveness of these, there's no longer any offering for sin. You see, there's no offering. There's no, I take and I, and I promise God I won't do it again. I, I promise God I'll work on it. I'll do some penance. I'll, I'll bring a, restore that relationship by something I do, you see, by something I'm going to do and accomplish. I'm going to somehow say to God, I'm okay now because I've done this to prove to you that I really do. I really do care. That doesn't exist anymore, says the writer of Hebrews. It's just not there. You see what he's doing? He's taking out your sacrifices from the core. He's taking out your works of righteousness from the core. This is all over the Bible. It it attacks the only uh, other, (laughs) our agency it attacks through this idea of, 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 progression of, of performance of merit. It also attacks the area that, that we struggle with a lot in our church. It's the area of purpose. Purpose. I think that the Christian church has bought into a purpose as a core part of Christianity, and the purpose is sin management somehow. Really, the purpose is sin management, both for us and the world. 
the stark terms, really, this is called pragmatism. The entire world is about sin management, you know. That's what society is. Everyone's wanting to have their best life possible, and that usually involves being the best person you can be. Christians say, well, our definitions are better because we're using the Bible. And so the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian becomes we have a different ethical standard, and our ethical standard is different than theirs. But you know what? Everybody's following the Ten Commandments. Well, not the first one. Nobody does. But sort of the, the horizontal ones, you know, we try not to lie, we try not to steal. Those are bad things. The, the world gets pretty aggressive about stomping down on them. We, we don't think adultery is a good thing. The world doesn't either. Love God and love people it is not too far off from let's establish better justice and fairness and equality in society. Well, exactly. You say that's what we need to do. We need to end poverty. and We need to be a net positive, not a net negative on that society around us. And we need to add value to the world. And those are all very excellent things and absolutely not Christian. There's no Christian in any of that. There's just you being you. You think of, it's one of my favorites, we talk about it a lot, Luke 18. Remember, the it's this parable as Jesus is talking about these two made-up people. One's a Pharisee who walks up and says, oh, God, thank you that you made me a good person and I do all these good things. Thank you, Lord, for making me good. I'm a net ad to this world. And here comes the tax collector, and they hated tax collectors, people Jesus was talking to. He just stands far off and beats his breath and says, have mercy on me, God, I'm a sinner. And the guy that goes to heaven is that guy. The guy that's justified, that's righteous, that's the word Jesus uses, who goes away justified, goes away righteous, is the guy that just cries out for mercy, not the guy who actually does net value added anything. Because <laughs> that's the world. The church, writes one pastor, is not in the world to teach sinners how to straighten up and fly right. That's the world's business, and on the whole, it does a fairly competent, even gleefully aggressive job of it. The church is supposed to be in the forgiveness business. That's our core. The church's job is not to go around implying that those desperate states, he's talking about this pastor I'm quoting, those desperate states like being lost and a sinner and not doing so well in the world, those desperate states and conditions we must get over as quickly as possible once we've been found. The true work of the church is to invite us all to go moonstruck over the news that the one operative consideration of our life is the passion of the finder to find the message of the gospel. Jesus died and he adores you and he's after you and your eyes have been opened and you've heard the word from this pulpit, from other pulpit that you received, the word of God from the Bible that says to you, God in Christ has come and your sins are forgiven. Yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you're forgiven. That's the core. I got one more and and I know. Because you can't miss this stuff. So here's Paul, and he's writing in, in, in Philippians. It's a, it's a thank you letter to the Philippians. They've given him some money, so he's writing him a thank you. It's a very positive, upbeat letter he's talking about. So he wants them to know something very important. So he starts chapter 3 with how he, he's abandoned everything, all the good stuff that he'd done, the good things. 
He counts them as rubbish and he uses the word garbage. And, and then he says this, and I want you to notice what it is. He want, he says, I just, this is my desire, that I might be found in him, and him here is Jesus. Paul's writing, he wants to be found in Jesus. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Stuff I do from the rules. I don't have that. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. See, the only thing I have is this trust. What's the trust? That Jesus has done it all and he forgives me. He counts me pure and clean and righteous. That's what Paul's saying, right? That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What is he going to do to retain the resurrection from the dead? He's going to come and die and trust that Jesus will raise him. That's the message. It's a message all over the Bible. What I really want you to see is the next verse. Look with me at the next verse. This is verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. What's he doing? This core isolation, he's not leaving. He's saying, the core is this, my only hope is the righteousness of Christ for me. I have no righteousness of my own. But you know what? Over and over and over, the world, my flesh, the devil, tells me that's not enough. I've got to have my own righteousness, and I'm tempted over and over to go find it somewhere else. So I'll tell you what, I press into this. That's what he's saying, right? He's striving. What is he striving for? Not good works. Not Ten Commandment keeping. Not righteousness according to the law. Righteousness according to trusting Jesus. I gotta hold on. I need people around me. He says, I, I gotta have people that tell me, I've gotta tell you, we've gotta hear the word again. We can't let go of the Bible. The core that we have, this isolation is Christ alone. And that's the struggle. Big deal, right? Isolating the core gets our whole life directly on the action and work of Jesus. This is all, period, not us. We receive this. So this core is receiving Jesus. It's a gift, and it's done. So here's what I wrote for that, just to drive it home. This isolation of the core, receiving Jesus. And by isolation means you're getting out performance or agency or purpose, and if you don't like those words because they're too hard or long, then do it this way. Receiving Jesus, not efforts at self-improvement, social justice, personal advancement, community outreach, increasing morality. Now you say these things, and you go, boy, there goes Pastor Dax. He's on his hobby horse. These are good things. They are great things. I want you to personally advance. I'd love it if you became a quadrillionaire. You could share some with me. I would like you to, 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 to have fantastic community outreach. I think our society is incredibly unjust, and we as people who are in the society ought to be people of justice and peace, and we need to do many, many things. It's not our core. Pinky movement. Pinky movement. That's not to belittle it. That's to say it's not the message. 
It's not the message that this church runs on. It's not the gas that flows through our engine. It's not the core. The core is receiving Jesus. And there's an inspiration to this as we close. There's an inspiration to this. And I don't mean that that this inspires me to go do good stuff, although that happens. Gratitude is an incredible motivator, and it will motivate you if you get your eyes on Jesus. It's fantastic. But that's not the purpose why Jesus did it. He didn't do it so you would roll around in gratitude and go get stuff done. He did it because he loves you. And if you want to get inspired, breathe in. That's inspiration, right? Breathe in this, that all of your sin is forgiven. That's a real thing because you've done real sin. And breathe it in. Here's Paul, after he's been a Christian for years and a missionary for years and a church planter for years, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That's just a another one of those flashing arrows, right? That doesn't actually say anything. It says, listen to me, this is really important. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am foremost. M, present tense, now. The salvation is him, the whole thing of him taking me to heaven. It's not to convert me so that I'm no longer a sinner. I'm still a sinner and I struggle my whole life long with it. I'm dying, says Paul, and yet I find no righteousness in all my stuff I do, but only the righteousness that's by trusting in the finished work of Jesus. His testimony in, he's still a sinner. And and with this core, you and I are free. And it's a real freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Paul says that when he says don't put on the yoke of slavery again, he's not talking about being set free from sin. Don't put sin on again now that you've been set free. No, you're still a sinner. In yourself... He isn't talking about being set free from slavery to doing bad things, so now you're free to go love God and do good things. That's not the Bible. That's not this passage. Don't you dare. He's talking about being set free from Sinai. The Ten Commandments. The law that's a burden of being required to earn favor from God ever. From your standing being, how well you're doing. You're free to follow your heart. You're free to follow your heart to Molly. Proclaim Jesus over there or to stay right here in Bellingham. You're free to be an engineer or a hairstylist. You're free to go to college or pick up a job and earn some money. You're free to spend your money as you see fit. You're free because Jesus has set you free and you breathe that in and it begins to impact everything about you. That's inspiration, real inspiration. Every breath you have is a gift. I don't care that you're dying from cancer. Of course you're dying. You're going to die, so am I. Of course you have sin in your life. So do I. What do we need to breathe? Where's our core? I sin. Jesus Christ has forgiven me. Are you telling each other that? Are you living there? This is our hope, right? He says it right there in Galatians a few verses later. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. 
A hope is something you don't see right now. I don't see me right now righteous. I see me as a sinner, but I, 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 I trust, I speak the words of the Bible, I speak it out and you receive it, you speak it to me and I receive it, that Jesus Christ forgives me. I have this hope of righteousness. He's coming again. They are proddings, you know. All this life, my responses, my failings, other people's failings, society's failings, they aren't grounds to change it and make it better. Sin management. They're proddings to get back to your hope, your core. Sin forgiveness in Christ. There's many more. I, you could do Romans 8, 1. There's no condemnation. Right now, there's no more condemnation for you. It's not pie in the sky. It's central. Paul hasn't said, think how it would be if there was no condemnation. He said, there's therefore now no condemnation. That's amazing. Your life and my life's not about sin management anymore. It's about freedom from having it count against you and me. Our lives are about trusting this word, not about pinky exercises. It's not wrong to exercise your pinky or your whole hand. It's just not your core. One of the incredible truths for you and me remains true our whole lives. This is whether or not you and I improve, we advance, we do some deed over here, some deed over there. The incredible truth is God is actually in charge. He's got you. This is inspiration, the breathing it in that the Word of God has breathed out. Why we are different and why we're a church is because we hold this message. We proclaim this message, our core. We breathe it in. We remind each other. We're infected every week by the Word. (laughs) I'm influenced every week by this world and by my flesh to try and get back to sort of being about me. And I have to come back here. If you don't have this core, you have no movement. We're going to look at how you move next week. To strengthen it isn't to do anything, but to receive again, to remind again, to affirm again, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. This is our church's life verse. We started with this verse and how I want you to grow. But I want you to grow like this. Oh, that you would grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory now and forever to the day of eternity. Amen? Let's pray.